Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Radio. Welcome back to the third hour here on RNR 920. Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker, Heidi Fang. She's on her way to minicamp. She's getting an early start. She's got to. She's got to carry the cyst trunk. And there's a lot of work that gets into that. All those lenses, all those cameras. We Thanks again to Mike Pritchard. That interview will be up on our podcast page at lvsportsnetwork.com. I want to let you know you can reach us on the text line, 69187, the Sam and Ash text line, because you deserve what's right. You can also hit us up on Twitter at rnr920am, as Fabian has done with the minus four, as well as... Our Realty One group listener line at 702-365-9200. You check us out. Come on in and, and let's talk because we want to ask you beyond Derek Carr, who needs to step up in 2022? But we're also kind of thinking about the red zone in of itself as like what could what could encourage you more with news coming out of camp that the Raiders offense is doing a great job scoring and finding ways into the end zone from the inside the 20? Or is it the defense stopping the offense inside the 20? Because the defense itself was last last year in the red zone. So what kind of improvements would make you encourage from these days now? 69187. And you also hit us up at 702-365-9200, the Realty One Group listener line. But Vinny, I, I think uh, even for a guy like, like Pritch, who's very offensive-minded, and he always feels like, look, the offense is what dictates winning right now. You have to go and find that group. But uh, think about how the... The mastery of what we've seen with Josh McDaniels, Mick Lombardi, and I can I can already kind of sense that uh, when we hear from the offensive group that they all seem to say like, yeah, we're being challenged and it's difficult, but we love it and we love Josh, so we don't mind the process. In fact, even a guy like Hunter Renfro is like really digging in on the process, knowing that you know he's been uh, you know given some criticism or at least some advice, saying like you're a little too creative on your first couple steps. You could actually go and streamline what you're doing and be even more successful, and he loves that even. Even though he's got 103 receptions from last year. Yeah, everybody could get better. And I think we talked about this the other day. Uh, every player's goal is to make money. And when they, obviously, and that's that's a that's a big part of it. But from a from an on-field perspective, what they want to hear from their coach and what they want to be able to buy into and believe is, are you going to make me a better player? Are you going to put me in, in, in situations to succeed? Um, and, and the buy-in factor comes in from, from that. And when you look at a Josh McDaniels, and this cannot be um, overstated whatsoever. This is a guy that went head-to-head, match-to-match, you know, in terms of offense with Tom Brady, all right? I'm going to say this about guys like Tom Brady and Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and the greats of the greats. They could read through BS quicker than, you know, like in the blink of an eye. They'll understand if this guy is an asset or <laughs> not an asset to me. Yeah. And I'm talking about teammates yep. and coaches. Like, don't underestimate the the ability that Josh McDaniels had to sit there day after day and not just uh, coach uh, Tom Brady, but challenge him and earn the respect of him. Because again, those types of guys, they'll just chew you up and spit you out. 
if you're not bringing it on a daily basis. Josh McDaniels brings it on a daily basis. He is, in his own way, at that level in, from an from a co- offensive coaching perspective. Now he has to put it together as a, as a head coach, obviously. But what he was selling to Tom Brady and earning the respect of the greatest of all, of all time is the same message now that he's given to guys like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller and, and, and Derek Carr. So um, they're being challenged in a way that maybe they haven't been challenged before. And as Hunter brought up, like you just said, like um, you're, you're doing a little bit too much freelancing. We've got, got to rein it in a little bit, and it's going to make you a better player. And what did Hunter Renfro say? I, I love that. That's I respect that. First time, it was almost like he had never heard it that way or he never like absorbed it that way. And also when you hear like a, a guy like Carmen Brasillo saying, you have to start playing your best football when it matters, right? right? And that's you, you have a certain tough and smart pedigree that comes along with this, but playing your best football when it matters, that is the red zone. And, and that's on both sides of the Ends ball. of game, mm-hmm. red zone, um, third qu- starting the third quarter. Uh, when games are really hung, hanging in the balance, and you can make a case that games can be won or lost at any point of the game. But you're right. When you really get, it, get right down to it, uh, being able to cash in or deny from a defensive perspective, uh, when the ball gets into the red zone and the money zone, uh, basically, where games are essentially won or lost. Those differences between holding a team to a field goal um, and not a touchdown or, or, or turning them away altogether, um, those are going to determine whether games are won or lost. That and turnovers, too. Turnovers, you got to... <laughs> turnovers are key. another thing, yes. Yeah. I mean, six but interceptions some of those are in year. the red Woo. zone. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, 702-365-9200, out to uh, San Diego, Hey, it's Dan. Dan, good morning to you. Thank you for calling in. Hey, good morning. Hey, Vinny. Uh, I, I was looking for you at four, so I guess I won't be going to the Tropicana anymore, huh? Uh, well, we'll see about all that. Uh, but, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, there might be uh, times where I'm uh, out and about, let's put it that way, uh, later on in the, uh, in the, in the day uh, doing something uh, on, behalf, on behalf of Raider Nation Radio. So we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, I want to. I want to apologize, Vinny, for my Padres whipping up on your Mets. And uh, <laughs> I, I guess uh, Clay, you're a you're a Warrior fan. I'm a Celtic fan, and uh, I'm pretty elated today. Oh, you should be. I mean, are you shining up another trophy, getting it ready for the case? Uh, I'm not gonna. If they win Friday, I will. Yes. Yes. But go I'm up three. What right? Go ahead. What do you think? Who needs to step up in 2022, uh, Dan, when you start to look at this roster and guys that you've been waiting for to get on this train? Who needs to step up in your mind? Well, you know, like everybody else, it's uh, Alex uh, Underwood. Uh, You know, he's got the pedigree from uh, Alabama, and you know he's been coached up. So I I think with this excellent coaching staff, uh, I think he's going to be okay. Well, uh, that'll be a uh, huge key, uh, Clay, If um, and, and thanks for the call. We appreciate it. That'll be a huge key. Um, by the way, the Mets are beat up right now a little bit, but uh, but I respect the Padres. Uh, I like that organization and where they're headed. Um, it's a typical West Coast swing. You, it, it's always going to be a little rough, but, I mean, you come off that huge series against the Dodgers. These things are going to happen. Yeah, and, and Alonzo got hurt, and uh, Starling Marte uh, got hurt, and uh, the pitching staff is a little bit depleted. It's a long year. 
it's a lot. And this West yeah. Coast trip, like you said, sometimes, you know, plus you're out in the sun. It's San Diego. Yeah, San Diego. You're focusing you're, on baseball. And they're finally out <laughs> of the rain. I went in San Diego. It's like, well, it's the June swoon. Yeah, anyone from New York is happy. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, we're, we're fine with this. But I think they're like, like you said, the, the defense is still really strong. I love, I love well, how the, the Mets play great D. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, they just keep you in the game that just a matter of a, a time before a hit comes across. And they showed it. They wore the Dodgers out. Yeah, it's been a fun year so far. Keeping my fingers crossed that the wheels don't uh, inevitably fall or fall off like they inevitably seem to for the Mets. So, uh, gotten this far, uh, we'll see how far uh, we could take it. But you mentioned defense, and you know when we when we've been talking about the red zone segment and the emphasis, you know, for this offense. Again, we can't lose sight, Clay, on the fact that the defense has to turn it up in that area of the field as well. And I got to say um, that the defense has been making plays. So far, when we've been watching them uh, in those red zone segments, they've forced a couple of turnovers. Um, they've 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 played well as well, and it's a, it's a, such a fine line with Raider Nation and really fans in general. Because when the defense, when you when you tweet or write about the defense playing well there against the Raiders' offense, you're automatically assuming well it's because the offense played terrible or whatever the case. Sometimes the other side's making a play too, and you want that. You need to see that. You know, we we're, we're so focused on offense. Uh, maybe just you know whether it's us as journalists or, or or the fan base, you lose sight of the fact that it's okay if the defense is winning some of those battles during those some of those periods as well. I know I need to see a little bit of a balance there just to uh, so I can go to bed at night with a, with a clear conscience. I'd love to see the defense starting to make a superlative efforts and in, in plays that uh, that has been indicative of what Patrick Graham was doing with the New York Jets. Let's get one more call before the break out to uh, Fort Myers, Florida, on the Realty One Group Listener Line. Seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred Raider Mike. Good morning to you, sir. Both my pies on. Attaboy. Hey, broke, you just broke up the best power trio since Rush. Well, yeah. For anyone who knows how to fly by night, that would be you. Getty Lee. Yes. Your minds are not for rent. To any god or government, you always pray for your discontent. <laughs> No changes, you know. Love it, so, love it. Anyway, anyway it, Leatherface has to step up. Okay, right? yeah. Uh, and I, he's going to. I can almost guarantee it. And uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I love Abram. I love how he plays. He, he just needs to be harnessed and the energy focused. And you got Jack Tatum Jr. on your team. So, anyway, that's about all I got for you boys today, unless you want to ask me a question. Well, uh, I'll, 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 I'll throw another name out here, uh, uh, you guys. Uh, Nate Hobbs in the red zone. Nate Hobbs and the ability of him uh, to make plays as well. I think that's what it comes down to is, you know, we talk about offensive playmakers, Clay. Mm-hmm. you got to have defensive playmakers as well. I think you're uh, you're right in that assessment. You said it a couple of days ago. What if Nate Hobbs became that kind of playmaker yeah. that, uh, you know, you saw him kind of like burgeoning and developing into that one. And for somebody to make, uh, you know, like they never needed Nevin Lawson ever again. Like he made him completely irrelevant once he started playing in this part of the year. And then, of course, starting the first two games. You know what? He could be that guy where you're, if you're left alone and allowing his instincts and his ability for, you know, commitment to technique and tendency, I'd be okay with seeing somebody like that come out and be like, "All right, if if Nate Hobbs is already done well, can what what's your ceiling? Can you step up and, and go even further? Because there's going to be a need for Trayvon Merrick to step up as well as Hobbs." 
Yeah, and and I think in both of those cases, sometimes it's just also uh, coaches figuring out uh, different ways to utilize them. I think I think Trayvon and Nate Hobbs uh, have shown man their positions and at at a, at a really high level, actually. Uh, but there's a difference between manning your position and then going and um, mastering it, and and then being able to to be like like they already have that foundation of of, of they're going to be able to should still be able to let's put it that way um, play their position at a high level. But but how can you free them up potentially or utilize them uh, in a way that allows them to be in positions to go make plays? And I I think both of them have great instincts. Nate Hobbs' instincts are. Uh, honestly, next level. And, and so some of it's going to come down to him seeing things on the football field uh, and going and, 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 and making the play. But he also has to have the confidence in his coaches and the okay from, from the coaches to be able to break some things off and go make plays. And then also where we talk about communication and being on the same page, you know, when 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 Troy Palomalo was, was doing his thing, yeah. a lot of times, you know, it was quote-unquote the wrong play to make because he's leaving his responsibility to go – you know, hunt it down and come up with oh, an interception. Oh, and they would lure tackle. him too. They would try their best Sometimes to lure him. they would him. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and in those cases, uh, I, I'm, I, I, I've lost track of um, who played that other safety position um, alongside him, but whoever it was helped him out a lot because it takes it takes instincts from the other player to understand, okay, Troy's going to make a play. I got to go fill wherever the area that he's vacating uh, or cover for him now. So there's some communication that needs to happen and some some trust really for for that to to be pulled off. But you know, uh, there 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 has to be also an okay from the coaching staff to say, okay, look, sometimes you got to go be Troy Palomalo, and and here's what we told you to do, but you're seeing something different. Um, and, and go make a play. Got a quick uh, time for a quick story? Yeah, for sure. All right. So um, uh, when um, the, the for, former 49ers, Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott gets traded to the New York Jets. Pete Carroll is the head coach of the New York Jets, right? Oh, yes. And so... Um, With uh, Paul Hackett yeah, as an right. offensive coordinator. Exactly. Um, and one of his uh, assistant coaches tells a story about how we get Ronnie into the into the building. We're out on the field, and, uh, and, and, and Pete's saying, okay, look, if the tight end's over here, and then they got this many wide receivers, and the running back, blah, 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 he's creating this scenario to Ronnie Lott, and, and he says to Ronnie Lott, when that happens, when you see that, this is where I need you to be right here. And Ronnie Lott looks at Pete Carroll and says, Coach, I can't promise I'm going to be here every time. And <laughs> Pete Carroll looks at him and is like, what are you talking about? He goes, like, Coach, sometimes I see things on the football field, and I go make a play. And Pete Carroll looked at him and said, you just keep making that play. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> you know, because he understood that if Ronnie Lott sees something, I'm going to trust Ronnie Lott that he's seeing it for the right reasons and he's going to go. Ma- Not only is he going to go try to make that play, he's going to complete the play. He is too. And that's a great moment of having that kind of trust and faith yeah. in your players because you realize that they've, their body of work. I trust their instincts. Yeah, and More I think Nate Hobbs has. I'm not comparing him to Ronnie Lott whatsoever, but I think Nate Hobbs has some of that in his DNA, being able to see things, decipher things, and then um, you know uh, have have the confidence to 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 go do what he has to do to get to the football. And um, again, it, it there, there's a balance there, and there has to be a trust factor with his teammates. But also from his the okay, basically the green light from his coaching staff within reason, 
Like, and, and there will be times when you get burnt for doing that, but within reason, allowing him the freedom to be able to go to, to go make those plays. Uh, yeah, and I tell you what, you, you're right. I, if, if I was Nate Hobbs, I would love hearing stuff like that because that would free me up to do some more stuff that you, you haven't seen just yet. Right. And I think that's absolutely part of the ceiling for him. Let's get one more call before uh, we take a break. Realty One Group listener line, 702-365-9200 to Los Angeles with Raider Mac. Mac, good morning to you. How are you? Good, good. How you guys doing, man? Great, thank you. Doing really Great good. show. Great show. I've been listening to you guys for a long time. Hey, uh, a couple of things. The, 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 the defense, here's the biggest part of the defense. Uh, since their car has been in the league, the defense has been the worst. It, they, they finished like in the bottom 10 for the 14 years or, or, or the years that they're since 2014. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I, I'm with I'm I'm with Vinny. It, we gotta we gotta we gotta shore up some things. But at this point, I gotta wait and see till we get the till we get the pads and we play somebody else. Because mm-hmm. I, I think I think the biggest thing is the defense. We don't score. That's not the thing. But the biggest thing is is can we stop anybody again? And that that's where I'm at. Hey, and yesterday you guys had a conversation uh, about Henry about rugs and receivers and stuff. You guys got to remember that um, that um, Devontae Adams wasn't, didn't start playing until his second or third year. Ruggs was about to. I think you guys, even though he made a mistake, I think you guys got to give a break to the kids. You can't compare him to, to um, Devontae Adams. You guys were trying to compare him yesterday to Devontae Adams, which is unfair to the kid. Oh, you mean say like uh, he, we were waiting for him to like come out of the box ready to go? It was only two years, right? Remember yeah. The first year, remember the first year was a COVID year, so he didn't get no, he didn't get anything. So I think the thing with the NFL, the problem with the NFL is that they want everybody to to to, to be stars right away. But you look at Col- Colton Miller; he was he was horrible his first year, and now look at him. Give give the give the young kids that come in the league. A couple of years, and then you can then you can criticize them. But it's just too many people criticizing um, Leatherwood or somebody that just had to do it. Like, and we gotta stop talking about Raiders that lead too, Benny. Benny, that's the only thing I have up with you is that you talk about Raider players that's gone instead of just you know praising them and leaving them alone. Let let them go. Like it's, like who, who 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 have I been talking you, about? You talked about Khalil Mack. You nah. talked about um, Rugs yesterday. You talked about many players. Yeah, the the the, the, the thing with Rugs was somebody was comparing him to Devonte Adams yesterday. I was like, no no no, you can't compare Devonte Adams. You can't compare Henry Rugs to Devonte Adams. It's unfair to Henry Rugs. Number one. Uh, that stage of his career. Number two, he's not anywhere near the same wide receiver that Devontae Adams uh, is. Not in, in in anything. Devontae Adams is a Hall of Fame player, and I know that it took him a little while in Green Bay. That's because he was playing behind some pretty good players as well, but you watch Devontae Adams and how he runs routes uh, and how he understands the positions, uh, has a complete command of the wide receiver wide receiver position, what defenses are doing. He's a elite Hall of Fame player. I don't, I'm not sure Henry Ruggs would have ever gotten to that point. He would have been a good player, but you can't, I, and I was arguing with the caller. I was like, you can't compare Henry Ruggs to Devontae Adams. To, Devontae Adams is up, 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 up here. He's like the best wide receiver in the NFL. I don't, I'm not sure um, Henry Ruggs would have ever gotten to that point. Oh, 
Thank you, Meg, for the call. Appreciate it. 702-365-9200. We reset the lines for the Realty Run Group listener line. 702-365-9200. It's Vinny and Clay on your Hip Hop Thursday. We'll take some texts as well. 69187 from the Salmon Ash line. JT the is there between Josh McDaniels, the head coach, and Josh McDaniels, the coordinator that you knew, and the message that he's trying to convey to this team? That's a trick question. <laughs> um, the same. He just says it a little more stern now. It's like if you was getting babysitted by your older brother and now the parents are nowhere at home and you're stuck with your big brother for the weekend. It's kind of like that. But, you know, Josh has been cool uh, just these past years to – See him go from, you know, coming from Denver, coming back to New England. And I had him since I was a rookie. And just to see where he is now, like, I've appreciated his journey and I appreciate being part of his journey. You know, very glad to be here. But uh, there's no big difference between Josh the coordinator and Josh the head coach. I mean, he demands perfect and he wants perfect. And we're going to go out there and practice to make it perfect. Brandon Bolden on Raider Nation Radio. We're back here. Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker and you. As uh, you hear him explain, like, yeah, the relationship with he and uh, Josh McDaniels is very good. And I, I think over time, the longer you stay in a system like that, you be, you become that kind of uh, that kind of respect and, and kinship. And I think for for even Josh now, I think it's probably very, very similar for what his uh, roles were then because he's surrounded by a lot of good talent. And he's often said, I just want to keep everybody on schedule. That's what I'm trying to do. So I, I think that even bodes well to know that, you know, this time around as a head coach, is uh, is more of a refined and a more of a formulaic uh, idea of he knows how to get the most out of guys now, and he's not trying to be anybody other than himself. True, uh, but there is one difference, and uh, we'll find out soon enough, and or he'll find out soon enough. He knows this is coming, but you know when when you when you go from being an assistant coach to the head coach. Uh, if you look at it from an NBA perspective, it's only a few inches, right? Mm-hmm. Going from that one chair to the next one. That's it. It's only a few inches, but it's literally the difference between making suggestions and making decisions. And um, he's going to have to be a decision maker when it comes to going for it on, you know, fourth down, punting it, um, what to do in certain situations. Ultimately, in a game situation, the decisions are going to fall on his shoulders. And uh, I think he's ready to, to to make those decisions. But it was funny listening to Brandon Bolden about, you know, the voice does change a little bit. It has to. When you're the decision maker rather than just the guy that's making the suggestions. And he can already hear a different tone in the delivery of, of, uh, of, of Josh McDaniels. But what I really liked about that, uh, Clay, um, uh, that, that cut was talking about perfection. He demands per- per- perfection. That doesn't mean you're going to be a perfect football team or a perfect player or everything's going to go uh, perfectly. But if you're working toward being perfect, you're going to land in a pretty darn good spot. Um, and, and so demanding that perfection and demanding the pursuit of perfection is usually, usually going to lead uh, to pretty good things. I agree. And I think a chasing perfection is, is something that some of the great players are doing. Tom Brady chases perfection. Josh McDaniels is somebody that's trying to do that. And I think everyone gets that and they're not put off by it. In fact, I think this is a group now that after winning 10 games, they want that kind of push because they want to get better. A question yesterday to Brandon Bolden. Somebody asked him, uh, I forget who it was, may have been Paul, uh, about Zamir White. He had this this to say, and I thought it was an interesting comment. Where's Zamir White? What do you think of him? Uh, I mean, they're still diving off into the playbook, and as far as just trying to gather information and being able to retain it and go out of the field, he's doing fairly well. So, like I said, we'll figure it all out 
here in the end. But as of right now, we all just trying to learn, learn each other, learn the playbook, and get ready for some football. And in contrast to other comments where people said, like, uh, or other players were saying, like, it's it's good that we have a veteran group here, that we don't have to wait for anybody. Do you feel like Zamir White and Britton Brown, that they, um, do they feel like they're developing a little slower than need be? Or is it just because there's so much for them to learn and maybe their roles will be different that they need to take a little more time to learn really the minutia of what's going on in that pl- in that playbook? Well, number one, as of right now, um, they don't need Zamir White to to, well, to, to do much of anything, yeah. um, honestly, unless there's an injury, of course, um, uh, and then you know roles will roles will change. But they really don't need him to do anything, so they can bring him along at a uh, at an appropriate pace. Now, every coach, every manager, baseball manager will always tell you this: players decide when players are ready to play. They'll show you in the classroom. They'll show you on the field when it's your turn and you're ready uh, to 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 go be a contributing player. So. It, his time will come right now, as Brandon pointed out, and, and this is true. Like, I'm not saying that Derek Carr's head's spinning, but Derek Carr right now is learning a new offense. You know, I think he knows and understands ways to streamline that process because he's been through it before, and there are similarities from every offense. Uh, so it's not a drastic uh, situation for him, but it is for the rookies. I mean, their heads are spinning right now, and it's just enough to keep up. And, you know, the good news is, as a, and I'm, I'm looking at this entire roster, what Ricky needs to, to play right now? Like, None. Right. Yeah. Last year, Alex Leatherwood needed to play. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and he showed that he was a rookie last year. Nobody should be really surprised that he struggled, um, you know, and, and I'm sure a lot of people would have wanted, you know, even a little bit better. But he was a rookie and he played like a rookie. Uh, rookies often do. And and but he needed to play. That's the difference. He had to play. And the Raiders for the last few years have been in a really bad uh, place because they've needed rookies to come in and play. They had to have guys not just you know be role players, but be starters. Trayvon Morig had to play last year at strong safety. Nate Hobbs, as it turns out, had to play uh, at, at slot corner. Now, granted, he they, they both flourished and they both did well and that's a great thing but the fact is they re- they went into that season basically with openings at that position that needed to be filled by those guys um we're getting away from that a little bit with the raiders you look at the defensive line right there's veteran players that mm-hmm. you know have have been there done that uh you go to linebacker i think outside of divine diablo and he got some time last year there's veteran players that they can turn to um in that secondary even though trayvon mullen um and rocky Asin are still young players this is their fourth year. They're not, you know, green bananas. They're not wet behind their ears. Rookies just trying to keep up. These guys have played and started uh, in the NFL. And really, you go position by position by position. There's no Brian Edwards having to, you know, catch up uh, in his rookie year because they needed him to play. And Henry Ruggs in his rookie year needed him to play. And so on and so forth. And that's, I remember talking to Raiders coaches, got a lot of young players. Relying on a lot, Reliance. and when, and, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even just young players, man. It was like rookies and guys going into their second year that had huge um, roles that needed to be uh, uh, handled in a in a major and 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 big way for the team to have success. Even Javen White was expected to play major minutes. It never came to that point, yeah, but it was. Right. Uh, but you could see their reliance on the youth. Uh, that's how depleted the depth was. Yeah, it, and it was not completely. Uh, you know, it, not as balanced as what you see now. No, not at all. It's it's a and I I brought this up with Derek Carr. 
uh, as opposed to years past when there was a coaching change and he was listening or trying to learn a new offense, he was typically doing that around a bunch of young players that he kind of had to nurture himself. He had to be the lead dog leading a, a bunch of young guys and, and hoping that they were keeping up, and that often isn't the case. Um, now, you know, Derek Carr can focus on on his thing and, you know, developing timing and obviously all the all the necessary things that, that go into that. But he, he's not worried about Devontae Adams understanding this offense. He's not worried about Hunter Runfro absorbing this offense. He's not worried about Darren Waller absorbing offense or Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake or or Brandon Bolden or, or really, you know, even the, the, the offensive line. There's still ex, there's experience now on that offensive line. He's not worried. Not, you know, I'm not to say that he was worried, but, you know, it's not in the back of his head like, God, I hope these guys know what the hell we're doing when we get on the on he would, he would never say it, but you know it had of to be in the back of his to. mind because uh, we were doing, we're doing this all again. We're trying to find like some sort of a another balance. restart. Right. And yeah, I'm sure Derek looking at other teams like they don't have this problem the way we do. Right. He, he, he'd probably be extremely pleased now with all the veterans that are out there, well, at least guys that are very serious, and they already have a very good uh, you know semblance of what their talents are. And it also changes, and he pointed this out how the coaches are coaching them because they know that they're not coaching somebody that I got to be really slow right here. Mm-hmm. Um, not because anyone's dumb or anything like that, but they're just young players that are just making the transition to the NFL. Got to be really slow and take it really slow and be um, very uh, mindful of how much I'm giving these guys right now because it's, it's hard enough just to get this part in. I got to wait to get the next part in and the part after that. Now, the way the coaches are coaching uh, this offense, it's full steam ahead. They know that they're picking it up, and uh, yes, there'll be you know blemishes along the way. Yes, there'll be uh, some rough patches, uh, but but it's a collectively mature, professional, veteran offense that um, you can count on as a coach and as a teammate. The other guy's going to know what, what, what he's supposed to be doing. That makes things so much easier. It really does. Uh, one text here uh, from James in, at the 949. He says, uh, the biggest key for me is the offensive line. See how these best five materialize. Yeah. But I also need to see the two-year maturation of Hobbs, Diablo, and Merrick. Those kids are special. They play big roles. Now let's see how they evolve. You know, uh, for Divine Diablo, what do you think is like um, – how do you think he's like, kind of like watching it from afar uh, uh, during this period? Because it's not something that he needs to go and, um, you know, participate too physically in. But he he seems to be like uh, watching from the from a distance and getting a lot of it because he knows. And in, in about five weeks from now, he's going to be in it. Yeah, and he's definitely been out there. Um, I think he's been wearing the uh, the red jersey a little bit, so that's. Uh, the, the caution flag. Don't don't be running into this guy. Um, need to need to. He's working through something. I don't know what it is, but he's working through something. Um, but uh, I, you know, Antonio Pierce uh, made a great point yesterday when we talked to him. He's got things that you can't teach. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Like this is a big old dude that runs really fast and is powerful and is really smart as well. Um, that that things that you you don't even have to worry about that end of it. Now it's just him settling in down and continuing to grow as a player. What I really liked last year, uh, when he essentially beat Corey Littleton out for that job later on in the season, he made an Im- immediate impact in run defense. Sure did. Um, and and that was an area that I was 
wondering about because he was a safety uh, in, in college, and you would expect that his strength was going to be in pass coverage. That that didn't necessarily that wasn't necessarily the case last year. But again, he was a rookie that was trying to just you know keep up and 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 help in any way that he could when he was on the field. You would figure, you would think, as smart as he is and as physically talented as he is, that the pass coverage part of it uh, is going to come along uh, as well. This is Coach Pierce, Antonio Pierce on Divine Diablo. Yeah, a guy that has a lot of talent, a lot of talent, obviously transitioning from that safety position to linebacker. But there's a lot of physical traits there that, you know, I can't coach, I can't give him. Uh, the mental aspect is what we're working on, and he's doing a great job of that. Um, what you see is for a guy that's real eager and happy, loves being around the building, loves being in the building, loves ball. I think those are all traits that you want from a linebacker, especially a young guy. <laughs> I love it when Antonio Pierce speaks because it reminds me of when he was playing and he was just absolutely brimming with confidence the whole time. You almost wouldn't find a more prepared player on the field than Antonio Pierce. Yeah, you could tell that he's um, got the right stuff uh, in terms of the teaching, um, the understanding of it, knowing it. He's been through it before uh, from all perspectives as a rookie, as a veteran, as a Super Bowl champion, right? He won the Super Bowl. He was on. He certainly did. Yeah, he was on those Giants. The Giants. So he knows uh, every angle. <laughs> Uh, of the NFL world, um, and uh, and and also, he's an inspiration. You could he could just there's coaches that wow okay I'd follow that guy I, yeah. I'd I'd listen to that guy I would and and, <laughs> and that, especially at that position I think he's the right coach the right tenor the right demeanor mm-hmm. for a position like linebacker which is becoming so important and so versatile I mean we we, we asked him yesterday about. Or Tuesday, I guess it was when we talked to him. How how that position has evolved over the years. You know, it used to be run downhill, go find that running back, uh, and go smash him into the ground. Now you got to do a whole bunch of d- different things. And there's geniuses on the other side of the football that are figuring out ways to get you right on the guy that you probably can't defend, and they're going to eat your lunch uh, all day. That's the matchup that they're going to go to. And you got to find guys that can neutralize that that whole concept. And it takes guys that are fast and smart and can cover uh, and could do a whole bunch of other than just go hunting the run game and, and making tackles. Yeah, and I love how you kind of emphasize there's got to be great communicators at that position as well. Let's get one more call before we uh, take a break. Uh, out to uh, the Rocky Mountains. It's Rocky Mountain Raider Dave in Denver. What's hey. up, man? Hey. Hey, Dave. Are they handing out Bronco stickers at Walmart? Oh, man, let me tell you what, they've, they've got such a big ad in the paper for Walmart greeters to be ticket takers at Broncos Stadium. It's not even funny. Good Lord. What is this world coming to? Stickers. Yeah, they're going to give out stickers with, you know, the Bronco logo on them at all the Walmarts around here. I think I'm going to be sick. What do you think about all this, uh, Dave, when you think about who needs to step up in 2020? Well, to- I think that the whole genre and the image that's being, you know, uh, it's being portrayed here is, how much pressure is on the coaching staff? Well, pressure from who? Pressure from himself? Pressure from Mark Davis? I'll tell you what, there's a lot of pressure the week they play New England. But, you know, I think all of that is scalable. And I want to ask you two, because this is what I see, do you guys see a cloak of a Cheshire smile on these guys' faces when they talk, and whether it's the coaches or the players? about what they've got and how they can't wait to unleash it. Because, I mean, if, if people don't know what a Cheshire smile is, it's from the cat from Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. back when you know none of us were even born yet. But anyway, <laughs> I, I think that they have a sense inside the building 
that there is something that is very magical going on and very reachable as long as they all stay healthy. And yes, the offensive line is something that they're going to continue to tinker with. And I would expect that even in the last cuts of 53, the Raiders could be picking up some players. There's going to be some that are released from, you know, two other teams. I mean, that's how you know your team is good is instead of picking up players, the players that you're releasing, those are the ones that are getting picked up. But I, I just kind of wonder as the way you guys look at all this, do you see or sense a feel of they're sort of holding back and they understand what they've got here? Uh, you're Pretty a very, very astute man, uh, Raider Dave. Uh, I've actually, and, I, and I'm not throwing these questions out there to get them to bite. I just want to get their thoughts on it. But they're not, they are being so measured in uh expectations like I've you know talking to Brandon Bolden yesterday hey when you look at you know the talent that you have around them what's possible for this offense we're just trying to get better today and uh you could tell that they understand and they're intuitively they understand what is possible with it how can you not when you're a Brandon Bolden or a Derek Carr or anybody on this offense and you look around at the talent that you have around you that you're playing with the possible and, and it's proven talent that's the thing that's what's so different um, this year compared to previous years, you know, going into last year, Henry Ruggs wasn't any kind of a pr- uh, proven commodity. Brian Edwards wasn't a proven commodity. Yeah, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller were, but that's that's about you got Devonte Adams now, and you know, if you even want to go a little bit further in that depth chart, Demarcus Robinson's a proven guy in the NFL. Uh, Keelan Cole is a proven guy in the NFL. Matt Collins has been around now and and and, and done some things. Uh, as well, you're not relying on guys on a hope and a prayer. You're just asking guys now to do what you normally do. And if they do what they normally do, this offense again has a chance to be spectacular. But yes, Raider Dave, you're you're very uh, correct and astute. There is a little bit of I'm not going there right now, but I know what's possible. But you're not going to get me to talk about how many points we're going to score, even yes. though. Kind of feel like we're going to score a lot of points. Yeah, Dave, uh, Derek has that kind of smile, but then he always holds himself back because he's like, but uh, yeah, more on that later, you know, because he doesn't want to let too much out of the bag. But you can see a brimming confidence beginning to grow, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the continuity of the offensive line is something that got messed up from the beginning last year. I think the reasons that they have seen that, understand it, we're working off of what, Denzel Goods coming off an injury. So, I mean, how many times was Derek even sacked last year? As bad as the offensive line was or that they couldn't get to a second level to pick up a linebacker so that Jacobs could bust one for 35 yards, there weren't Pro Bowl players on New England offensive lines, and Brady had plenty of time to throw. And I think one of the design things was when every time you saw Brady back there, he had his guys four steps away from him. The size of his pocket was much bigger than the phone booth that Carr has been constantly throwing out of and causing fumbles because people get their hand on the ball. It doesn't matter about hand size. When somebody's going to paw on it, they're going to knock it loose. Oh, we lost you, Dave. Dave, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate it. Derek Carr got sacked 40 times last year. Yeah, seventh highest in the league. Yeah, you can't have that. And, um... And, you know, again, people talk about, and a lot, some of that also had to do with losing some of the players that were around him. Darren Waller missed a bunch of games uh, last year, and I think a lot of those sacks kind of happened in those games. I'd have to go look back and, and check it out, but uh, 40 is too many. And uh, whether, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's scheming it up and getting the ball out a little bit quicker or just developing that offensive line a little bit better, I think that's a huge key. Got to get that number down. Got to get it down. All right, we're out of time for today. Thank you all for listening and participating. You can check out the podcast up at lvsportsnetwork.com, iTunes, Audible, Amazon, and more. Thanks to Mike Pritchard and all of you. 
here on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up next, it'll be Rich Eisen. Then it'll be JT the Brick, Harry Ruiz, filling in again, doing a great job. Love listening to Harry from noon to two, then two to five. It's Q Myers with Unnecessary Roughness. For Heidi Fang, for Vinny Bonsignor, I'm Clay Baker. Have a great day, everyone. Hey, guys, it's your boy, Vinny B, from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.